Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 46, entitled, And in the Body Experience, Part 7. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians, Chapter 12. And why I want you to turn there, uh, verses 27 28 is where we're going to be. I also want you to turn to Ezekiel, Chapter 37. So Ezekiel 37 and 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be in Ezekiel 37 first uh, here in just a bit, uh, all having to do with, with the gifts, which is where we've been continuing on the topic of spiritual gifts. So let's pray together and ask God's help, as we always should and need uh, for our time. God, thank you for the ability we have, the opportunity we have, the place that we have. Thank you for these that are joining with me, God, and those that will uh, in future days. God, I thank you for this YouTube channel that we have. I thank you for this uh, study that we have. I pray, God, that you reach hearts and minds and, and spirits, God, and that you would work uh, in their lives according to your will. Teach us, God. Guide us as we know that you will, because you promised. Uh, through your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're continuing our study on the topic of spiritual gifts, and we began looking last time at looking at what I call service, or what are called service gifts or support gifts. Uh, I call them structure gifts. They're sort of, uh, if you think about the, the body of Christ as a building, which is one of the analogies that we have in the New Testament, you think about it as the analogy of a building, if in that analogy, uh, the structure or the support gifts are the... They're equivalent to the, the cement and the, the wood and the sheetrock. They're the, they're the gifts that hold the place up. They make 95% or more of the structure itself. Uh, they provide the support and the platform for what, what, are, what I call the upfront or the spoken gifts. Remember, we've been looking at this, our, our, our primary ministry. Our primary ministry, we, don't, we weren't called to heal. We weren't called to, to feed we weren't called to work miracles. We weren't called to speak in tongues. We weren't called. We're, we have a spoken ministry, primary ministry. I'm, saying, I'm not saying we don't do these things. I'm just saying our primary ministry is a spoken ministry. How do we know that? Because of the commission that our Savior has given to us in Matthew 28. And we've seen this for the past couple of times we've been together, verses 19 and 20. Incredibly important that we recognize this. What is our ministry? What do we do? We do this, and everything else is in support of this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we do. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the point of the spear. This is the thrust of the church. This is the mission of the church. When a church has some other mission as its number one thing, it ceases to be a church ceases to be what Jesus has called it to be. Every other gift, every other thing that we do is in support of this mission that Jesus, this commission that Jesus has given to us. It is a spoken ministry. Therefore, our speaking gifts are our upfront gifts. Our main ministry is to reach people with the truth. And all other myths, ministries, and all other gifts, even though we very much need them, they would hold the place up. But the place is here for the sake of the spoken truth. And it is the spoken word of God. It is the taught word of God. It is the applied word of God. It is the disciple word of God that actually is the ministry of the church. And it's actually the thing that changes people's lives. Very interesting illustration. I had you to turn to, to Ezekiel chapter 37 because it's, 
it shows us sort of the idea of why our ministry is a spoken ministry. Turn with me there. Ezekiel 37. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 14. And Ezekiel has a, uh, a very unusual uh, vision of uh, a bunch of dead people. Watch, watch what happens. And the hand of the Lord was upon me. Verse, chapter 37, verse 1. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of, of bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. So, so not recently dead, let's just say that. As dead as dead can get. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And of course, in the back of the head, I'm thinking, he's, I, I'm thinking that he's thinking of no. <laughs> but he gives a correct answer. Uh, God, you know, he says. Uh, they, you, O Lord, thou knowest, he says. And again, he said to me, prophesy, notice. What is that? Speak. So his whole work is a speaking work. It's a spoken work. Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, how does that work? Well, because it's the word of God. Remember, how did God create everything? He spoke it into existence. He spoke it. How does, how does God change a life and turn them from a child of Satan into a child of God, a person who's headed to hell, into a person who is headed to heaven? By the spoken word. Everything, everything is in support of the spoken word. Everything. So, so his spoken word, notice, he speaks to the dry bones. Thus says the Lord God, this is what you're to say, he says to Ezekiel. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and that you, that, that, that you may come to life, and I will put sinews on you, and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. And so notice what he does, verse 7. So I prophesied, as I was commanded. That's speaking. That's all he's doing. I prophesied, and there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and bones came together, bone, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to be prophesied. There again, spoken ministry. Spoken. Prophesied to the breath. Notice what is he, he's not just randomly speaking words. He's saying exactly what God told him to say. So what is, what is, the, what is the job of the church? To say exactly what God has told us to say. The miracles, listen, the, the conversions, the changed lives happen as we're faithful to do what he's called us to do. It is a spoken ministry. It is a spoken ministry. It is the tip of the spear. Prophesy to the breath and prophesy, son of man, he says, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. Because it's the word of God. The word of God is powerful. It is the power. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came upon them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And uh, we'll stop right there. The, the, continue, the vision continues uh, on down through there. But it is the picture, in my opinion, and my understanding of the church, of what the church does. Because we're called to reach the people who are dead in their trespasses and sins. How dead are they? Dead! Long time dead! Dead from birth, dead from conception, they're dead. So, so, so if we feed them, what have we done for them? If we heal them, what have we done for them? 
If we clothe them, what have we done for them? If we sing good music to them, what have we done for them? There's not to say those things are bad. But they are all in support of the spoken ministry which resurrects their souls. So everything is in support of these spoken gifts, these upfront gifts. It's incredibly important that we keep focus on that. So last time we were together, we began looking at the gifts, these support gifts, these structure gifts. Uh, we looked at faith, we looked at healings, we looked at miracles, discerning of spirits, and this week we're going to continue in uh, these service gifts or support gifts, and a number of these are mentioned in other lists outside of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are several lists, one in Romans, one in Peter, uh, in addition to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. So, so let's go down. Now we're ready to, to jump over to 1 Corinthians. You're in Ezekiel. Jump over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, verses 27 and 28. Just, we're just in the middle of his discussion, near the end, I should say. And he starts listing uh, uh, other gifts. We're, we're going to be looking at some of these today. But he lists them in a certain order. Notice what he says here. Now, now you are Christ individually, and individually members of it. Of Christ's body. You are Christ's body, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles. Why is there an order? Second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then healings, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. He goes on there. So, so why, before we look at these gifts, or the specifics of the, some of these gifts, why is there an order? The order represents the order in which God sent out his, well, the order in which he gave the gifts. He first gave apostles. The apostles, Jesus' apostles, were the first ones to go. They went and, again, spoke in ministry, spoke the truth. People came to Christ, were converted, and they organized the first churches. And then following them, the next gifts down the pipe were prophetic gifts, were evangelism gifts, were teaching gifts, were other gifts, the different ones that are, that are listening here. All, so, so originally, it's the apostles, that giftedness, and then next, the teaching and, and evangelism and other spoken gifts, and other encouraging gifts, and other service gifts, and other, other things that are supportive of all these things, because, and so that the church could, be, uh, could grow and be strengthened and be solidified into all that Christ wanted it to be. So, so they came in the order, he just given an order, because that's the order that they came. No more complicated than that. So speaking of that, speaking of a, a, the gift of apostle, or the position of apostle, let's, let's look at that. What is the gift of of apostleship. Well, here's the definition, a supernatural enabling, which is what all these are. Every gift is a supernatural enabling. It's not a natural inclination. It is a supernatural inclination. It's something that came to you as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. Having been saved and being placed in the body of Christ, he put you in a place in that body. That's a great way to think of your gift. It is a place. It's your spot. So fill your spot. And if you're missing, you're missing, right? So uh, back to our analogy several weeks ago, a month ago, about the puzzle pieces. So we got a thousand-piece puzzle, and we got 20 pieces missing. Can we still make out the picture? Yes, but is it going to be everything it should be? No. Fill your spot. You fit in a spot that no one else can fit in. That's what our giftedness is. It's a supernaturally enabling. So a gift of apostleship is a supernaturally enabling to plant churches in pioneer areas, to be very simplistic, but it is, that's more just very simply what it is. Uh, this gift is seen most readily today in, in, in missionaries. This is a service gift, usually in conjunction with some kind of spoken gift like teaching, 
uh, evangelism, uh, etc. So, but it, it is a service gift. It, it is the, the ability to go to, to fresh places where Christ has never been preached. That's what we find the, the apostles in the New Testament doing. They went to places, of course, there was no church at that time. But, but again, let me just say this. Don't mix it up, the gift of apostleship, with the office of apostle. They're not the same necessarily. The office of apostle and the gift of apostleship are two different things. The gift of apostleship, as is true for all the other gifts, is not gender-specific. In other words, it's given to men or women. The gift of going and being a missionary, the gift of going in, into pioneer fields, and the pioneer field might be the next community over. It doesn't have to be Africa or, I don't know, uh, some deep, dark jungle somewhere. It may be just a place where no one else has ever gone before. But, but to bravely go because the enabling of the Spirit, but it's not gender-specific. Now, I say that as compared to the office of apostle in the New Testament, which very much was. Jesus appointed 12, and then there were two more added, Matthias and, and Paul, after Jesus' ascension. 100% males. Don't confuse the gift with the position. Someone can have a, a gift without the position, but the position often requires the gift. And, and we'll try to explain that a little bit more in just a second. But the gift of apostleship was unique to the first century. It was gender-specific. It was uh, uh, church-age-specific. It only happened in the first century. There were no more apostles appointed outside of the 12 and the two more that, that were appointed after Jesus' ascension. No more, no more position of apostle. We're very grateful. And by the way, those gifts are still being used every single day. Here I am speaking to you from one of the letters of one of the apostles, 1 Corinthians. So, so people say, well, the, the position of apostle no longer functions in the church, and I would very much disagree with that. Most of your New Testament is written by apostles, all right? Matthew, uh, well, not Martin, Luke, John, Paul writes half your New Testament, Peter, um, um, not James, John writes several of them. Uh, but these, all these gifts are, these, the, these apostles, these gifted apostles are being used within the church. So, but, but the gift of apostleship is not the same. It's not the same. Well, let's, let's be careful. When, when we hear some of these gifts, we also think of positions, and they're not necessarily the same thing. For instance, the gift of apostle and the position of apostle or the office of apostle are two different things. They're two different things. Likewise, the gift of pastoring and the office of pastor position I hold, two different things. One, one is, in, in, as in the case of the apostles, is gender-specific. pastor is supposed to be a male. It's the way it is in the New Testament. Sorry, there's not an exception to that. Some people have a problem with that. I just say, you got yourself a problem. That's, that's the way God does things. So he, he chooses, and he chose males to be pastors. It's very clear in the New Testament. Now, the gift of pastoring is not gender-specific. We're going to get to that gift in just a minute. It can be male or female. doesn't require an office. doesn't require a title to be gifted. Like same is true with the gift of apostle. It doesn't require an office. doesn't require a title, whereas the, the apostles of the New Testament certainly were offices. They certainly were titled that way. Uh, the gift of service, the, the word deacon, it just simply means servant. So, so whereas there is a, 
an office of deacon. There's also the gift of deaconing, if that makes sense. The office of, of servant as opposed to, or as compared to the, uh, the gift of service. The gift of service is gender specific. I mean, not gender specific. The position of deacon, though, is. It's unique. And just because a person is a, has the title of deacon doesn't mean they necessarily have the gift of service, necessarily. So, but we're going to get to some of that here. And so make sure you separate between the two. So just because a person has a gift doesn't mean they have an office. And just because they have an office doesn't mean they had that specific gift. All right? There are a lot of people who are pastors who do not have the gift of pastoring. I, I for one, that might shock you a little bit. I feel like my gift of this is in teaching, not necessarily in pastoring. I pastor. We're required to pastor. We're required to lead. My position is leader, is, is, as a leader, but, but I lead through teaching. That's what I'm doing right now. My, my primary ability is in the area of teaching and explaining the Scripture, so that's what I do. That's, my, that's what I'm, my responsibility to the church. I hold the office of pastor, though. So it's gonna, it takes a bunch of us to get it done. We're gonna, again, we're going to see some of that explained just a little bit more here in just a minute. Let's move on to the gifts of helps and service. We've already been mentioning some of these. This is probably the broadest gift. We see it, by the way, listed in, and let's, let's go over there and look at that, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 28, but also in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It's going to be on your screen. But we have different gifts. This is, again, Paul teaching, totally different time, totally different letter. Here we have the gift or the office of apostle. Uh, we are being blessed through, even though he only lived in the first century. We have different gifts, he says, according to the grace given to us, each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it is serving, there's the gift we're going to talk about in just a second, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's, encouraged, if it's to encourage, then encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Again, none of these are complete lists. They're just simply listing some of the more obvious gifts and uh, um, so I think gift, the list of gifts are broader than this. But anyway, these, these listed gifts I want us to consider. What is the gift of service or the gift of helps? It is, uh, it is a gift that, that is, well, it's implied by its name. It, it's help. Any way, uh, time, under any circumstances, this gift is a gap filler. I like to think of it, if, again, back to the analogy of our building. It's the mortar. It's the glue. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the taping and floating that seals all the seams. It's, it's those who step in and do what no one else is doing. Uh, it's the gift that fills in the gaps. I worked on a crew uh, back when I was younger, and uh, we had this physical plant I worked in. We had a number of skilled positions. We had painters, we had plumbers, we had uh, carpenters, and uh, other, other skilled positions in our, our position or my crew that I was on was not, not necessarily skilled. We just basically did everything else. We did everything from di- drive dump trucks to move furniture to set rat traps in buildings. I mean, we did everything. We did everything that no one else did. It was, uh, it's a great picture, I think, at least in my mind, of what the service gift is, the, the gift of helps is. Wherever there's a gap, a person with this gift will fill it. Now the gift of administration, and we saw that here in chapter 12, if you look, saw it, uh, of, of Romans up there, it's going to be on your screen here again. Chapter, Romans chapter 12, 
uh, down there it says, if you lead, a gift of administration or, or leadership, do it diligently, uh, Paul says. Uh, supernatural, what is it? It's a supernatural enabling to lead, to organize, to direct the church towards its kingdom objectives. Uh, they come in and streamline us. They organize us. They help the gifts do the you fit here and you fit there and you go there and you service. A lot of times a person in a position like me as a pastor has not, a, not the gift of pastoring, the gift of administration. Um, and, and in certain cases, according to God's desires and designs, that's exactly the way it works out because that's what's needed. Again, how is the body gifted? according to the design of the Spirit, because he knows what our needs are. He knows what our ministries are. One of my responsibilities as pastor, as a leader in this church, is to look at our giftedness, because it's from our giftedness that we understand our ministries. So, so if we desire to have a giving ministry, but we have no person gifted in giving, we don't have that ministry. We desire to have a teaching ministry, but most of our people are gifted in service. Well, then guess what? We don't really have a teaching ministry. I mean, of course, the church teaches, but, but how, how do we function together? This is not the whole body of Christ. We're a local body of Christ, but the body of Christ is international. How do we function not only locally, but how do we function internationally to support the entire cause of Christ? Some cases it's giving, some cases it's teaching, some cases it's other things. It just depends. And so we have to look and say, what is the specific gifts, the majority of the gifts that God has given to us? And we have to say, that's the main thrust of our ministry, for the entire body of Christ. So, the gift of leadership. Now let's go on to the next one. The gift of mercy. Again, we see that there at the very end of Romans chapter 12, down there at verse 8. Uh, the gift of mercy, the supernatural ability to feel genuine empathy and compassion on the physically, mentally, and emotionally weak. Now, are we all to show mercy? Absolutely. Again, every one of these gifts, every one of us is to be some, an administrator of some sort a teacher of some sort, a pastor of some sort, a giver of some sort, a servant of some sort, right? But some of us are supernaturally gifted in these specific areas. The person with the gift of mercy is supernaturally gifted to show mercy, to feel compassion, to feel empathy. They're drawn to people in need, much in the same way that the Good Samaritan was drawn to the man who fell in among the robbers right on the, on the road to Jericho. He didn't just feel something, he did something, gift of mercy. God has gifted us. Again, Jesus was the example of all these gifts. But he comes and places us individually within his body in specific spots. Your placement is your ministry. Your ministry is going to be gifted by him to fulfill whatever position that is. So the gift of mercy. And then the next gift, the gift of giving. Gift of giving. Again, if just because I don't have the gift of giving, does that mean I don't give? Of course not. Of course not. The gift of giving is somebody who's supernaturally enabled to give. Again, they're, they're, because they're enabled that way, they're the leader in these things. So they're a person we look to for leadership when it comes to that. The body of Christ should be. The supernatural enabling or ability to share one's possessions for the Lord's work, both liberally and sacrificially. And oftentimes, at least in my experience, what I've seen is these people also usually have the capacity to earn a lot of money. But not always. Uh, it's not a matter of social economic ability that enables us to give more. Sometimes, well, here's, here's an example. Uh, the widow who gave her might in the New Testament was giving sacrificially, right? She was, she was giving uh, uh, com completely and, and uh, liberally. Uh, 
So, so it's not a matter of income necessarily, although I will say quite often, in my experience at least, a person with the gift of giving also is a person who's enabled to, to make quite a bit of money. So, so let's make a summary of the gifts. We're going to discuss one more gift and we're going to be done. Let's make a summary of the gifts so we can kind of better understand how they all work together. And this is definitely an oversimplification. But it, it sort of helps us see how we all weave and work together. And, and I did, didn't come up with this. I read this somewhere, but I thought it was really good. It kind of gives you an idea of how, how things go. He says, if you want to see how the gifts work, he says, go and drop your plate over here in the fellowship hall during, during a church fellowship. Break your plate on the floor and the food, food goes everywhere. He says, you're going to see the gifts respond. He says, this is how they respond. The gift of prophecy, he says, will come up and said, I told you beforehand that you had way too much on your plate. That's a prophet for you. The, the, the gift of teaching will, will say something like this. It's been determined through uh, research that having both hands on the plate and exactly opposite sides and plate directly in front of you will lessen the incidence of spillage. So there you have the gift of teaching coming alongside, right? And then the gift of exhortation comes along and says, you're going to do better next time. I'm going to be beside you next time. You're going to make it next time. Again, the gift of exhortation or encouragement. Uh, and then the gift of administration has already said, John, you pick up the plate, so you get the mop. Mary, you bring another plate. The gift of service has already brought you another plate. Gift of helps. Gift of mercy gives you a hug, holds your hand through the whole process. The gift of giving is giving money to pay for the plate that you broke. So you see how these, again, oversimplification, definitely. But do you see how these gifts work together? We, we all work together. We've, been, we've come together to support each other, uh, to, to, to accomplish a goal, uh, to take care of each other, to take care of circumstances, to be uh, in every way fleshed out the body of Christ locally and globally at the same time. So one more gift, and then we will uh, conclude our time together. The gift of pastoring, or uh, maybe better, shepherding. I, I prefer the name shepherd over pastor, because when we hear pastor, we don't really have a definition, or actually we have some kind of church definition for it. But if we hear the gift of shepherding, for instance, if someone introduces to me, introduces me as their pastor, it doesn't mean near as much, as at least to the person that's hearing, I don't think, as it does if they introduce to me as their shepherd. Hi, this is my shepherd, Bill. Wow. First of all, it says a lot about them. Someone is shepherding them. And then it says a lot about me. I had that responsibility. That's a lot of weight. Wow. Shepherd. Wow. It's the divine enabling, very simply, to care for a flock of God's people. Gift is employed in needs as big as an entire church congregation, as in the case of what I do. Uh, as small as a children's Sunday school class, don't they need shepherds? Absolutely they do. Again, this gift, the, don't confuse the position or the office with the gift. The position in office, according to the New Testament, is gender-specific. It's male only. The, the gift, on the other hand, is not gender-specific. It could be male, it could be female. <coughs> Excuse me. Could, could also carry with it a title, like, like pastor, but doesn't have to. Doesn't have to. So... Uh, it, a person who is gifted to guide, to feed, to protect a flock of God's people. Be very, again, be very careful to distinguish this from the position of pastor. <coughs> Sorry. 
I'm losing my voice. So, so I pray that this was clarifying, and I hope you'll come back, and we're going to continue in our study of the gifts and discerning uh, what they are, and especially discerning how they apply to our own personal lives. What position do you hold? You need to fill it. You need to know what it is. And just going and asking God what it is, is that's important, but it's not enough. It's a matter of surrender. How am I going to know how the Spirit works through me until I'm surrendered to the Spirit? Make sense? Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you have gifted your body in exactly the way you want it to be, both here in this church, Island Baptist, God, in every church, in every circumstance, wherever you find Wherever we find a group of people gathered together, God, you've gifted them to do a certain thing there, to accomplish your goal, ultimately to speak the truth to a world that is dead and their trespasses and sins so that they might come to life, so they might be included in the body, become your children, be useful to you, and grow into all the things that you've commanded us to teach them. Thank you, God the opportunity we have to do this. Thank you for the privilege we have to serve you. Help us to be diligent, God, in our gifts and whatever service we have to your body. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.